not talking against any particular churches or any particular thing, but in Christianity today, it seems as though we're looking at prosperity and some of the fruits of prosperity, and some of us can, can't have them, and some of us do have them, but there's something lacking, something lacking. The name of the sermon this morning is, Without Manasseh first, there'll be no Ephraims. Without Manasseh first, there'll be no Ephraim. Coming from the scripture text is 44th chapter of Isaiah 1st to the 22nd verse. In Genesis, the 41st verse, chapter the 51st to the 52nd verse. Chapter 44 reads, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord God that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jeshurun, who I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is a thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offering. And they shall spring up as among the grass as willows by the watercourses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of the Lord. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and shall name himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. And who has I shall call, and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and for the things that are coming, and shall come. Let them show unto them, fear ye not, neither be afraid. I have not told thee, have I not told thee from that time, and have declared it. Ye are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. He goes on to keep reading there. The forty. Starting at the 14th verse, it says, He heweth down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, which he strengthened for himself, and among the trees of the forest. He planted an ash, and the rain doeth nourish it. Uh, the 20, 20th verse, he says, He feeded on ashes, and declared heart, and deceived his heart, had turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul. Nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee, thou art my servant, O Israel. Shall not thou be forgotten? I have blotted out as a thick cloud thine transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Here we hear God calling us his children, that he had redeemed us, telling us the fear not. From the third verse to the fourth verse, he's talking about pouring his spirit out upon us, giving us a fruitful spirit, a spirit that wouldn't be barren, that our ground would be fruitful and produce. And he t- says in the 22nd verse, this, this comes freely. He, he's telling them this is not something they, they tried to achieve anything because 
we can't just go to God to do things we don't go to God. We won't go to God. But listen what God says. He says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thine transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. They years forgiving your sin and transgressions. He talks about throughout there man forming idols and graven images and things that are not God's and they had forsaken God. So a lot of us had forsaken God and went through different things. But here God freely forgives the people and put them in a right standing with Him. He asks them to return to Him. In other words, repent. Repent from your ways in turn. Here we study a man that is a type of Christ. We're talking about Joseph. And a lot had happened with Joseph. And in Genesis we find toward the end of Joseph's life a lot of trials and tribulations that he had went through. And a lot of us, we've gone through a whole lot of trials and tribulations and troubles, but a lot of people have transgressed us. Joseph had been done wrong by his brothers. They had sold him into slavery. He had been done wrong by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife had lied on him. Potiphar had thrown him in, in prison, and he had been in prison 13 years. He interpreted a dream of one of the prisoners that he had befriended in jail and told him, say, well, look, this is the interpretation of your dream, but when you get out, please remember me. In other words, tell him about me. Tell Pharaoh about me. <clears throat> but it says the butler, the, the chief cupbearer said he had forgot Joseph. For two years he forgot about Joseph. And we see Joseph stayed there until he came to interpret Pharaoh's dream. When he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh made him second in charge, second in command of Pharaoh's army. And he gave him Asenite, the priest of On, for a wife. Joseph grew and he prospered. Uh, his father called him in. Uh, you, 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 we know of the story of Joseph and with his brothers and the transactions there with them when they came to Egypt for food and Joseph act like he didn't know them or whatever and what he put them through two different times. But then he revealed himself to his brothers and they brought the father and everyone, all of them, to Egypt. And while there, Joseph experiences what we're focusing on here. We're, that's a type of Christ. He, he's a type of Christ for us there. Uh, Joseph called Genesis 41, 51 through 52. It says, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God had made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God had caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, be weary here. First point here is the remission of sins, the removal of sins. We see he called the first one Manasseh. He said he named him Manasseh, and you know, it's significance in what you name your children, you know, it's significance in names a lot of time in the 
Bible holds a lot of significance in names. And it says that name, Manasseh says, It made me forget all my toil and all of my father's house. You remember I said they, they used to harass Joseph when he was living with his father. They say, here comes that dreamer again with his dreams and they throwed him in the pit and they sold him into slavery or whatever. He had been through a lot of discord in his father's house, but having this child in Egypt at the position he was in, he had kind of forgotten about his father's house. With, with the wealth that Joseph had, with the wealth that Joseph had, Joseph could have easily went back to where his father was to visit his father and acknowledge that he was alive. Notice that he never did seek them out, that he didn't seek his family out or whatever. Sometimes you have to forget those things that are behind. He told Abraham to come out from your kindred. Sometimes people move off and they put bitter experiences behind them. Sometimes God does things to cause us to forget things, and sometimes forgetting is good. But if you abhor, if you hold these things into your life without forgetting, you know, what your parents did to you, what your brothers and sisters did to you, what your friends or the relatives or what people did to you, you're dragging a dead corpse along that holds you prisoner. You, you can't enjoy your life, and it causes psychosomatic, it causes cancers and different health problems. God says that's not good. That, that's not like God. We have to learn, as Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind. He forgot about the argument and the dispute with John Mark. He says, bring John Mark with you. He's profitable unto me. Sometimes you don't go back and places and you bring that bitterness because God, if it's right, God will introduce it back to you at another time in which it may be more profitable to deal with. We see the providence in God and that that's what Joseph looked out throughout his life, that God had been good to him and he caused him to enjoy right where he was. That's why Manasseh was first. He had to forget. He had to clear his mind. It couldn't be grudges. It couldn't be any envy and resentment and bitterness in him. God caused him to forget. That's when he became fruitful. And a lot of people trying to be fruitful, they have prosperities like the lay of the sin or whatever and they still have bitterness. They have grudges. They have things that they hadn't been washed or cleansed from. Their hearts are not toward God. There's no repentance there. And that's why we're talking about the church. That, that's why the focus is on the church, an unforgiving people, a people that don't forgive. And, and that's what Jesus Christ focused his teaching on. See, because he was talking about the church. Yes. Remission of sin. How does God view hard hearted uh, lack of forgiveness? How did God view that? See, because you remember I told you. It won't cause you to lose your salvation, but you can't grow. You won't grow, you'll have other problems. Forgiveness doesn't bring salvation. Does he take it lightly? If we lack a truly forgiving heart, could it cost our salvation? No, not necessarily. 
Because like I said, that's that's not salvation. Forgiveness can't that, that that's not a part of when once Christ justifies you, then there's a process of regeneration going on in the children of God's life. And that's why we need to look at it. I and I've heard different things and studied different things with this and I'm in agreement with that. But that, that's the process because you have do have children of God of people in the church that have unforgiving hearts, hard hearts. Not that God's not working on those. God's working on them. He even told us to pray that. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, what did I tell you last week about that word as? That's the one we talked about. It says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That word as means the same as, in the same way. That's why sometimes some of the sins and things that we occur and that we do, God kind of holds them there in place because of the consequences because we like David, we're not very forgiving of others. We we think about God lightening the load on us. You remember when Nathan told him about the man that had killed the other's ewe lamb, had came in and stole the other man's lamb and killed the man's lamb and saved his own? You know, David. this is David's heart and mind now. David says, that man shall surely die. Didn't he? Now, if he was the king and he had a copy of God's word, he would know that the sentence is that he repaid fourfold. That that person caught in a situ- particular situation, he would have to pay sevenfold. That was the penalty. But David said he shall die. What happened when Nathan says, you the man? He says in Psalms when he was praying about the bones that God had broken and forgive him, he had sinned against God. God did forgive him, didn't he? He says, David, I've put away your sin, but now the child is going to die. That's one of the consequences. Forgive as you forgive others. He says, but David, the sword will never leave your house for doing this thing. You see, that was going to be something there with David that he was going to have to experience his children killing one another and raping one another. Maybe if he'd have freely, uh, his mind would have been a little bit more open toward freely forgiving. You know, sometimes, and there's other teachings on do next week and the week after then about these things because we hold things or hold people prisoners for what they've done against us. You know, I'll never forgive my mother for treating me this way uh, my father did me this uh, I remember I was small my brother did me this and I won't forgive him my, one of my brothers he was very he, I, I remember one time he was in the hospital he was very very forgiving he, him and my one of my brothers had was horsing around and playing around or whatever and he accidentally hit got hit against a wall and it pulled his eye loose my brother had left or whatever, but he had told us to go look for him or because he didn't mean to do it. He had, you know, they was playing or whatever, and he didn't mean to do it, and he forgave him or whatever. 
he, he didn't hold that against him. He says, I forgive him, you know. I think brothers and I think all of us should learn to forgive one another. No, no matter how extreme it is, a lot of people say, well, you just don't know what he did to me. You, you can't understand how he did this to me. What he did to me, I'll never forgive him. Watch it. Now, that's a heart that God says you can't even get your prayer through. I think he said that. Let's see. The book of Mark, I think it is. The 11th chapter. The 11th chapter of Mark. Start at the 24th verse. It says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive these, and you shall have them. So you going to the Father, do you say anything you want from the Father? Ask the Father in my name that you shall have, right? That he'll give you those things that you ask for because you're praying to the Father. And he says, but hold on, let me read another verse to him. He says, you shall have them. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive. Listen to that. When you stand praying now, that's the very next verse after he's saying you'll have them. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have art against any, let your Father and and... If you have art against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, don't say anything in there about if he asks you forgiveness. He says, if you stand there and you have art against him. In other words, you got an issue with your brother because it's another one says... If you bring your gift to the altar to give to the Lord and you have art against your brother to go get right with your brother and then come off of your gift. So you see where it blocks your access to God? See, that, that's what happened with Potiphar's wife. Joseph said, how can I do this and sin against God? In other words, what he was doing would have blocked access to God. First John, it says, we have the petition that we ask of him, anything that we pray for because we keep his commandments. See, and one of his commandments is that we forgive one another, we love one another, we love our enemies, and that we would pray for our enemies. See, because it's hard to hate somebody that you're sitting down praying for, if you're praying for that person and carrying that person in your mind as forgiving that person, it's hard to hate that person. See, we, we can't love God and hate our brothers. That forgiving, and that, that's, it says, as you forgive others. And it says, your father forgive your trespasses. It, it, see, that's two different prayers in there because, you know, one prayer, it says, forgive us our debts, and the other prayer says, forgive us our transgressions. See, transgressions are against God. That those are obligations to God. So you'll never forgive them for what they did against you. It was so bad. And let me see, it was one person that, let me see, they took him and whipped him with a cat of nine tails. They beat him all night long and they took him and nailed him to a cross and stuck him in a hole and crucified him. And while he was hanging there, he said, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing. Now that, that's our example of who, what we should be following. So I don't know what they had done. Listen at that now. 
I don't know what they had done, but he says, forgive them. Now, if he forgave us of our sins and trespasses, because somewhere here in Romans, in the book of Romans, the 8th chapter of Romans, I think it is, that he says, why we were yet sinners. That, that's what it says. It says, but God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Those were sins that we were going to commit. So if God had forgiven us of our, all our sins, and here he says, I blotted out your sins and transgressions. Oh, now you're holding something against somebody that God's not holding against, right? If God had forgiven them, they were forgiven. See, that, that was the problem with the Pharisees when Jesus healed the man and told him to take up his bed and walk. And Jesus uh, said, your sins be forgiven. And they were all upset at him and said, who could forgive sin? But God. Now, they were right about that, but the forgiveness of sin is, is not an answer to salvation. You see, because just like a lot of the prophets pray for you and think, can't someone say, Jesus say, is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven or take up your bed and walk? What's the easiest? He, not, he was showing them the easiest was to say thy sins be forgiven because if I tell you, you know, a lot of times preachers say well, a person saved, it could only be a profession of faith. And if he says the man's sins forgiven, how do you know somebody's sins are forgiven? How would they have known if that person's sins were forgiven or not? It's just like somebody say somebody's saved or not. You don't know if they saved or not. So it's easy to say, well, your sins forgiven. Don't a lot of preachers or people say, well, your sins were forgiven you? You don't know. that. That's easier to say. That's why Jesus say, is it easier to say? Here's where he put them in a double bind. He says to the man, he looked at them and then he says, Take up your bed and walk. Now, they didn't say it. Only God could forgive sin when he said that. But then, let me show you the authority by this sign here. Now, you go to a person in a wheelchair, a person laying down that's paralyzed, and tell them to take up your bed and walk. Now, that's a hard deal. Now, he did that hard deal, and it was easy to say that sin's be forgiven. Now, that shows who he is there, right? Be careful here. Be careful now. He says, Jacob knew Manasseh needed to be first. Forgiveness needs to come first. You need to be washed and cleansed. That's why Jesus, when he preached, he teached the repentance and the coming of the kingdom of heaven, but they were baptizing, and John the baptizer was baptizing. You remember? They called him John the Baptist. His name was John the Baptist, but you know, they was called and he says he was baptizing. And Peter, they came to Peter and said, what must we do to be saved? Peter says, repent. Repentance has to come. That's why God says, turn unto him. See, because sometimes, like the lay of the sins, you could have everything and be spiritual, but you're not very repentant. It's some hateful people sitting in the church. It's some people that say some mighty harsh things to one another. They need, they need to be cleansed. They need a removal of those things from them. But we know that to, to clear your heart and to clear forgiveness, you have to have 
Christ. He's the only one that can make you forgive things like that to clear your mind. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying because you know, naturally, the natural-minded person, we, it's hard to forget. You know, we're not built. That's not how human beings are built. If we forget things, it could be hazardous to our health. It could be very dangerous to go around forgetting things. But see, God gave him a child to help him forget. With that child, with Manasseh, he forgot all that happened back then. It's like a woman when she's pregnant in childbirth or whatever. And she's going through that and hollering and screaming. But after the baby is born, all that pain, all that suffering is because of this baby that she's holding, this new life she's brought in the world. It's whoo-wee now. What, for all that's back there. Look at this child. And see, that's the fruitfulness that Joseph experienced when he forgot his past. See, because what happened to Potiphar's wife? You remember? That's the one that made the accusation against her. As second in charge in Egypt, couldn't he have sought her out, got her thrown in jail or something? You know, he was next in charge to Pharaoh. I bet you when they passed by or they was in line or she would see him or whatever, man, supposing Joseph get me for lying on him. You know. That you, you got the prisoner then because you have a conscience of guilt. What if the truth comes out? Jacob, his father, you know, God's providence was with the father. God's providence was with Jacob because Jacob, when, like I said, we had the end of the story here. When Jacob was about to die and he told Joseph to bring in the two children so that he can bless them. 40, Genesis 48, 14, it says, But Jacob stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand he laid on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Because the fruitfulness he gave to Ephraim, but Manasseh was the firstborn, and Joseph said, It shouldn't be so far. You see, we got to go through struggles. We got to go through things before we have a clear heart and a clear mind. That's what Job was experiencing. Sometimes those those stories are in the Bible for a reason. We will have to find out or look to see the rationale as to why God put those things there. It was some significance as why Joseph Jacob crossed his hand there. The younger he gave the blessing, right? He gave the double portion to him, not to the elder. The second born God. We're the firstborn, the chosen of God was Israel. But the church is was the blessing come, the fruitful blessing, the spiritual blessing. We're the church. We're the second ones. As God's chosen people was the example to us, but that first one includes all of us. If you notice, the tribe of Ephraim includes all 12 tribes of Jacob. When they talk of Ephraim in the Bible, it's include all 12 tribes. And so Jacob's don't have two tribes, one Manasseh and one Ephraim. No, but they were adopted into Jacob's family, so they was the same as those other 12 children of Jacob. He adopted those two. We have been adopted by Jesus Christ. We have been adopted by God. We're brothers with Jesus Christ. We're joint heirs with Him. We were adopted. We call God Abba Father. 
we can't be Ephraim until we first have a Manasseh. We, we can't have that. In other words, we can't really be fruitful until we are also forgetting. That's why the toil and trouble in our lives is to help you learn to forget, forgive others of their trespassing. Don't hold all that in. Now you can be blessed. It's, it's freedom to lay those burdens down. Stop carrying those dead people around. Sometimes people forget what they were mad about. Husband and wife get mad. Friends fall out and stay mad for centuries. Or stay. The thing with Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and something, nobody never knew what they fell out about or whatever. They take, some people take these grudges and bitterness and resentment to the graves with them. It says to avoid offense, we must remember our humility and our place Whenever we are inclined to point out a fault of our brother or sister, we have to see just how insignificant that is compared to what type of person we are. See, when you self-centered and you allow the sin and you think your sins ain't that bad, you can't see how much God had forgiven you, then you start holding little things, little penny any things against your brother and sister, those little specks. Here you got a log in your eye and you hold this against your brother and sister. The same advice holds for the giver as well as the receiver of a rebuke. So those that's cursing or fussing at somebody, they got the problem. Jesus didn't do this retaliation and revile. It says when he was reviled, he reviled not again. Yes. You got a problem if you always got to get somebody told. That somebody do you something, you have to strike back like a rattlesnake. You have to murmur or complain or say something or say something to cut them to the quick or whatever. Well, you're not buried with Christ. You're not baptized. You're not being washed from your sins. You remember I told you, baptism and being in Christ is for the washing or the removal of sins. He said, I'll wash you and your sins will be as white. They'll be forgiven in the sea of forgetfulness. Within that sea of forgetfulness that God's creating for you, you have to be forgiving and forgetting others because those part of the flesh that's living, God's going to have to burn that out of you. You're going to suffer torment for that. Carrying those grudges around, they get heavy and they'll cause you problems. Criticism is always difficult to give without offending or to receive without taking offense. That's what happens with a critical spirit. All these things is an attitude or a disposition. So to be critical of one, and you can take offense or give offense through criticism. We have to be careful. We're talking about the church now, not unbelievers. There's so many people in the church that are committing these offenses. That's why husband and wife sometimes come to church mad or sometimes they're going riding along mad. That's why brothers and sisters fall out. That's why things happen. We have to be careful of what we say and a whole lot of foolish or crazy talking with our mouths we sin. That tongue is a horrible thing to control. Only the Holy Ghost can help us to control that thing. Be always mindful that our Creator received rebuke without retaliating. He didn't retaliate. And we have to learn to be humble and not have to leech back when somebody says something to us or do something else. 
He says, blessed are you when men see all manner of evil. And we quote those scriptures and everything. But actually practicing that, we don't do it. And not as a people and not as a nation. Somebody say something to us, we're going to have to tell them, you didn't hurt my feelings or you didn't need this and I'm going to get you toast. You're not dead. A dead man don't have feelings and those things shouldn't bother you. No one has ever imprisoned no one has ever been in prison in his heart. Nobody was held prisoner by Jesus Christ in his heart because he's the one that told us to remit those sins back unto those people that did that to you. You remember I said, or remitting, in other words, return that. I forgive you. Whatever you've done to me, I return that back to you. I forgive you. I, I didn't forget about it. Now you try to say, when you say you forget about it, that means you're not holding it against them. Because it's a lot of people who say, I forgive you. But then you do something else. They're going to bring up what you did then and what you did a long time ago. Well, you didn't forgive them if you see a holding that one against you. That's why when Peter says, how many times shall I forgive my brother? In other words, not 70 times 7. Because now you counting how many times they didn't did to you. How many times, now, since we've been baptized, since we've been in the church, since we've been called a Christian, how many times have we done something wrong? Now, you might be self-centered. I, that's why I say I don't deal with a whole lot of Christians that think they're perfect and that they don't never sin. If you say you have no sin, well, I really don't deal with you. That kind of person is hard to get along with that's holier than thou because... They have no compassion and have no mercy. They, it's hard to deal with those type of people. The second point here is repentance. second point is repentance. Notice the name of the first son, Manasseh, which means forgetfulness. He named his firstborn Manasseh because God made Joseph to forget all of the previous pain and trials in his life. Now, Peter says be baptized and repent for the remission of sins. So throughout Joseph's years in serving as Pharaoh, by him forgetting those things that are behind, wasn't he enjoying his life and going about his life in Egypt? Because God had caused him to forget and he became very fruitful. Joseph had been spoiled by his father who had given him a coat of many colors and he was rejected by his brothers, then attacked and sold into slavery. He had been thrown in jail for honoring God and those that had helped him, God forgot him. He forgot all about this, that Potiphar's wife accused him of these things. Despite years of this kind of treatment, Joseph could say, I choose to forget it all. I choose to forget it all. My son here, God had given me this as a son that he had helped me to forget all of that. That's the type of Christ. God says your sins is cast into the ocean and he'll never bring them up again. In an ocean of forgetfulness, he had blotted them out. Not to ever be remembered again. Now man will bring them up to you. Christ says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
But it's people that try to remember what you used to be or what you used to do or what you did a long time ago, something you've repented to and something that you've told God you're sorry about, you told that individual about, and they still not accepting of those things. Uh, let me tell you about this servant. I think we preached on, teached on him a couple of times last week. He says, Then his master called him and said to him, You wicked and contemptible slave. This is the man that the master had forgiven all of that debt in that parable. Did you know that was a type of Christ there? The king was a type of Christ that had forgiven the man this unpayable debt. The reason they said 10,000 talents, 10,000 was the largest number that they could write or know of at that time. Talents was the largest sum of money, uh, 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 you know, that they had at that time. So this 10,000 talents was an innumerable amount. In other words, he couldn't repay this. It's just like Jesus Christ. When he gives us eternal life and dies for us, how can we pay that back? Even if we died for him or died, it couldn't pay back what he paid us because his life was sinless. That's how we got eternal life. Our life is required of us because the wages of sin is death. So all of us has death coming. But he had given us eternal life through him. So he had paid a debt that we couldn't pay. We couldn't pay. We can't pay God back. Our life is required to pay him back. And if he takes our life, what we have then? Nothing, right? So we have to accept Christ that he died in our steed and that's what saves our life, having faith and trust in him. So if he had forgiven us of all that debt, that's how that king was. Now here comes this man. The same man that he had forgiven all that debt. He found somebody that owed him a couple of dollars. He says, pay me all that you owe me or I'll choke it out of you and I'll put you in debtor's prison. The man said, be, be merciful to me and save me and, and forgive me. I take he, No, you know what the man said? He said, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. In other words, this was a payable back debt. He could have paid him back. But he wasn't patient with him. He says, look, uh, he said, this master called him and said to him, you wicked and contemptible slave, I forgave all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave who owed you little by comparison as I had mercy on you? And in wrath his master turned him over to the torturers until he paid all that he owed. My heavenly Father will also do the same to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now hold on now. I have you heard that parable explained. Did you know that that was a saved man? That that was a type of Christ. Listen to the parable. It says, The wrath from his master, he turned him over to the tortures until he paid all that he owed. In other words, he was tortured all of his life because he couldn't pay the debt back. But now, that was his master. You see why some of us are sick all our lives? You see why some of us have problems and things? That's why David was turned over to the torturers now. He says, the, the, the sword will never leave your house. 
Job had some sort of problem and God sent the torturers in them. He lost his sons. He lost all of his wealth. He'll turn you over to torturers. Now, if you don't receive, forgive, that's what God's going to do. There's a lot of saints that are vexed. Me and Minister Miller was talking about that. You don't want a vexing period be put upon you. Not saying that you're not a child. Have you? Do you have children? A lot of people that have children or friends or people that know them and something's going on with them. Not that that person is lost, but God's, God's, God's chastening them. God's chastisement and punishment comes in different ways. He says, turn him over to the torture. You know, God turns some of people over to a reprobate mind. It doesn't mean that you're lost. Because in 1 Corinthians, he says, be careful how you build with wood, stubble, and hay. See, some, sometimes God will cause you to be in poverty all your life. Because what's hindering your fruitfulness is you hadn't forgotten. Why you couldn't get in better health or why things didn't happen to you, you still have something that's blocked between you and God that you can't even pray for God to move it because you're holding your brother in prison over here. That prisoner that you carry around, that forgive, unforgiving that happened 30 or 40 years is stopping you from living a fruitful life now from enjoying because there's no Manasseh in your life. God couldn't, you hadn't forgot, you hadn't forgiven others. He says, as you forgive others. And that's why your life is, that's why you're being tormented because that's why the torture was in there because God had forgiven you. Now somebody back there did you something, you'll never forgive him for that. You know what? You'll never have a peace of mind. Now he promised us peace and joy, but why some Christians don't have peace and joy? Why are they so grouchy and bitter? We have violated our obligation of being obedient to God, and this exposes us to the penalty that results from that violation. That exposes us to, as we have done others, God does it to us. And see, that's why we turn people over to God. He says, pray for your enemies, because if you pray for them and remit that sin back to them and tell God about it, he says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. God, they hurt my feelings. My wife, my husband, my son, my daughter, my mother, my father, my brother, this person, my employer, this person has hurt me. I forgive them, God. I'm going to try. Help me to forget that and to bury it and let it be in the past. Didn't he say pray for them and pray to him? Now they're in God's hand. You didn't put them in God's hand. You don't have to carry that weight around. You can forget it. Cast all your cares and burdens on them. Don't carry that person around. Bury that dead person. When Lazarus come out the grave with them grave clothes, he was still bound until Jesus Christ says, loose him and let him go. Don't let the things in this world tie you and hold you prisoners. Loose them and let them go. I forgive you. Just forget about it. Don't worry about it no more. But make sure you did that. To teach us the lesson of forgiveness, God bases how we forgive, how He forgives us by the forgiveness we extend to others. Tormentors turn over for the structure. Listen to this. Paul turned over a church member to Satan in 1 Corinthians 5 and 5. This man was having an affair 
with his father's wife. Instead of the church going along with this person, he says, cast this man out from the fellowship of the church and into the hands of Satan to punish him in the hope that his soul will be saved when our Lord Jesus returns. So turn this person over, let the destruction of the flesh come. You see, before you can remove sin, you have to take that laser and treat that cancer to radiation. You have to burn that cancer out. You have to burn it out for it to be in remission. And, and if you don't cut it out, it may come back. They say it's in remission now. It's gone away. See, Jesus Christ, He comes in and gives us a circumcised heart and He teaches us through His Word. The Word is what washes us clean. So that's why we have to get... He says, let not your anger... Uh, be ye angry, but sin not. It's sin to take that angry until the next day. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath because now Satan will let you sit there soaking overnight. Now you're mad at everybody and, and he just puts all kinds of ideas and things in your mind. How to get even with this person. How to torment them and say, well, look, I'm, just, I'm not going to speak to him for a month. Sometimes people say, well, you know I'm mad at you. I'm still mad at you. When people got to remind you that they're still mad at you, there's a problem there. See, they was carrying around that madness. You was willing to go out and do something and have some fun, but you can't have fun and they can't have no fun because I'm still mad. Hey, why don't you get over this? I didn't say I'm sorry. Or we just, see, because that's the third thing that I'm going to teach next time I teach this is reconciliation. You see, after you forget, after you forgive, then comes reconciliation. Jesus Christ had reconciled us back to God. He had put us under in the good stand. That's why it says, return unto me. Have you ever forgiven somebody, but you still didn't fool with them no more? A man could forgive you for fooling with his wife. I, I was preaching one time, and I said somebody had been unfaithful. Well, he couldn't forgive you, but I don't think he would trust you anymore. Trustworthiness and forgiveness is two different things. You got to prove trustworthiness. I didn't forgive you, but that don't mean I would trust you again. If if I give you my light bill money, and you don't pay my light bill, and my light's going to get cut off, and I have to go pay my light bill, and I say forgive you. In other words, I'm absorbing that debt. That's what Jesus Christ said. He absorbed our debt, and I say I forgive you. And I don't bring it up no more. And I got my money for my light bill. You say, well, let me go pay my light bill. I say, that's all right. He say, uh, would you remember what I did last time? No, you remember it. I told you it was all right. I absorbed that. I paid, went on and paid the bill. I didn't forget about it, but that don't mean I trust you anymore. You, you don't have to, tr- you have to prove yourself trustworthy. See, that's what happened with Abraham. See, because Abraham had did that once before with Pharaoh, what he did with Sarah. You remember he told Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister? Some 10 or 15 years later, he did the same thing with Abimelech. He told Abimelech that Sarah was his sister. He kept doing that. See, and God had to send the torturers in there. That's why it was some 35 years before he became fruitful. And he's never seen all of the promises. You see, we have a different way of working and looking at things because we're too worldly. Reconciliation is my last point. 
remission of sin, repentance, reconciliation, or regeneration. Our hearts have to become like Jesus' heart was. Hebrews 8, 11 through 13. He says, For I will be merciful and gracious toward their wickedness, and I will remember thy sins no more. When God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and whatever is becoming obsolete or disannulled is growing old and ready to disappear. So he's saying the same thing here that he said in Isaiah, the 44th chapter, and the 22nd verse, that he was going to forgive them their sins and remember them no more. Isn't that how we have to be? To be like Christ, mercy, if we show mercy, God shows us mercy. Those that can't extend mercy, he says, mercy is one of the weightier matters of the life. If you're not merciful, your Heavenly Father won't be merciful to you. We have to be like He is. So we are to pay it forward. You didn't heard somebody saying, pay it forward? In other words, give this to somebody else? Galatians 6 and 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, listen at that. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, do it say go there and tear his head off and tell him he better not do it again? He says, if a brethren is overtaken in any such one, you should restore him with gentleness. He says, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. If you do that to him, next week or next month, somebody could do that to you, and it's going to do it much harder and much worse. You're going to be in a worse fix than you were because as is in there. As you deal with your brothers and sisters. As when I say, oh man, have you, you remember I told you last week, I didn't say some things that I wanted to take back. I told somebody, man, I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have said that. Nope. You shouldn't have said it. You're right. And it'll be a week before I talk to you. You, should, you can't apologize to some people. Or some, tell me this. Don't some people give a length of time that they have to punish you? You know, now that's not no true forgiving. If they, they, you know, I don't know how they get to be the arbitrator of that length of time. I have some other things that I don't have addressed another time. I didn't go through it this time. But see, sometimes we hold others to, look, um, what you're going to have to do is do this and do that before I forgive you. In other words, that it's conditional. You will have to do this or do that before I forgive you. Well, that's, that's forgiveness with a stipulation, and it's not forgetfulness. It's not the type of forgiveness that God tells us to have. To avoid offense, we, we must, uh, did I say that? To avoid offense, we must remember our humility and our place whenever we are inclined to point out a fault of, of a brother or sister we must humbly see as Christ seeing us that we're weaker vessels, that we ain't significant, and that we're fallible. If we start seeing ourselves for, for how we are and how many times we go to God and says, Father, forgive me. I, I said something wrong. I overlooked something. I did this, and I, I'm sorry I did it. 
Aren't other people like that? Isn't that having empathy? You see, because the accountability we're trying to hold people to, we're not being able to imitate God in all areas if we don't hold all these virtues, all of these teachings that He is telling us to. All of them is a combined thing. We can't separate. You remember I say we can't be dogmatic about one thing, but that we have to be well balanced and understanding and asking the Spirit to lead and guide us in all truth. Remember, our godly purpose is to restore the relationship, if possible, because that is what God wants to see. That's what God wants to see. A restoration of the relationship. The father's heart turns to the sons and the son's heart turns to the, to the fathers. Joseph's brothers still had a conscience of guilt. They had a conscience that God hadn't removed the guilt. You remember I told you the spirit removes the guilt away, the remission or the removal of these things. They were carrying it around because when Jacob died, when the father did die, the brothers came to Joseph and said, well, you know, our father said to tell Joseph not to hold what we did against us. Remember they told him that? And Joseph says, am I in the place of God? What you did to me, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. See, Joseph wasn't thinking about that because... Manasseh had helped him to forget that. They were thinking about it because they never repented from it. God had never removed that because have you had people that say, don't talk about it no more, don't mention it no more because y'all didn't forgive it. If it's in the past, why would they be still fearful? See, that has fear in it. That, that kind of fear, thinking somebody could do something or bring something up. You hadn't truly trusted in Christ. You hadn't truly trusted that He had removed it and paid for all of your sins. All of that's paid for. Anything I've done, there's no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So all that I died, He was the perpetuation. He's my covering. I'm in Him. That's why I have to walk in Christ Jesus. Hebrews shows us some major objectives within the workings of this new covenant, which was a much better covenant. Merciful forgiveness for breaking God's laws is a major one. That, that's what's major. That's what Hebrew teaches us. That's what the Word of God tells us. Merciful, merciful forgiveness is the major part of the new covenant, that regeneration to be forgiven. You're no more God-like. That's one... Thing that's the most godlike is to show a forgiving heart. To be forgiving, that's the most God. God had forgiven all of us. His sun shines on the just and on the unjust. Forgiveness of those that trespass against us is a major thing that I told you makes us godlike. Proverbs 19 and 11. This is part of the conclusion. And it says, the Discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The amplified version of that reads, 
Good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger, and it is his honor to glory and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense. That makes you feel better to say to be able to absorb that and say, forgive, forget it. I forgive you. I overlook what you've done to me. You remember David says, God had forbid him to curse me. Can you overlook what people do to you? That, that, that's major there. That's more God-like. That shows a spiritual strength. That's why I say, he that is spiritual restore these ones. It says, without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. You didn't forget. Because God had made you that every knock is a boost. Everything that they do to you, it strengthens you. The more dirt cash your way, the higher you rise. Because you're just trampling it underfoot. You're just turning those curses into blessings. And by blessing and praying for them, you're heaping coals of fire on them. Because now you didn't put him back in God's hand. God's going to turn him over to the tormentors because now God, he, God's got to deal with him now. Oh, the living says a wise man restrains his anger and overlooks insults. This is to his credit. Uh, and as we overlook anger, overlook these characteristics, the trials and things that we've been through, as I told you, like the woman having the baby, as we become more Manasseh-like, what Manasseh was, as we become more forgiving, we see fruitfulness comes in our lives and we start to really enjoy who God is and what He's done for us. We start to be on the top. He says He'll pour water upon us, that we'll be fruitful, that we'll grow, but we must forget. Manasseh helps us to forget. Let's forgive those things of those people that trespass against us. Let's be forgiven. Heavenly Father,